Uh, as we go this summer, we are pausing our Luke series. So we are, I mean, we're only in chapter 7, so it's not like we tore it up really, really hard. But we got some, we got our, a good chunk started into, into Luke. And we're pausing for the summer, and then we'll pick it up again uh, as fall hits. So for the summer, we're going to be doing a special series, and it's called um, I Am. It's Claims of Jesus. And um, we thought it'd be, it'd be good and uh, uh, interesting. Um, part of the reason is that uh, the, lots of people understand that Jesus was a historical figure. They'll agree to that. Historians don't argue that Jesus walked the earth uh, sometime around 30 AD or whatever it is. They, they don't argue that he was there. And they aren't debating that he lived and that he died. That's not really in historian debate. They are not going to debate really that he was an authoritative teacher who changed the landscape of the world either. And they basically agree that he was um, known as a prophet and a doer, a worker of miracles. That's in other sources as well. So historian, that's kind of agreed upon. But the, the question comes, is Jesus more than that? And Matt touched on it last week. He talked a little bit about Jesus the prophet, and uh, he talked a little bit about, is Jesus more than that? And that's the question the world is asking, I think, is, is Jesus, who, you know, who is Jesus, and is he more than just a guy who was around? Is he more than that? And that's the question that needs to be answered, I think. What does Jesus say about himself? What claims does he make about himself? Over the summer, that's what we're going to look at in the, the eight weeks we've got in summer, uh, are we pick the eight I am statements out of the book of John. So that's where we'll be. We'll be picking some of those verses out of John where Jesus makes claims about himself. And the, the question we'll be answering is, who does Jesus claim to be and what does this mean for us? So this morning we're talking about Jesus saying that he is, he says, I am the light of the world. And our worship, maybe you noticed some of those songs had that element as a part of it. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Um, there was a little boy who was afraid of the dark. And uh, his mom asked him to go out on the back porch, they had a big back porch, and to go out and get the broom. And he was afraid. And he was like, no, I don't want to. I'm afraid of the dark. And so she said, well, it's okay. Jesus is, Jesus is out there. Jesus is with you. And he's going to protect you and watch over you. And so the little boy was like, oh, okay. And he kind of looked looked out the, the back door window, and then he came back and said, are you sure? Are you sure he's with me? And his mom said, yes, Jesus is everywhere. So he, you know, he's out there too, and he's going to look, look out for you. So it's okay. You don't have to be afraid. And then the little boy goes to the back door, and he, he kind of pokes his head out. And then he says, Jesus, if you're out here, can you just pass me the broom? Please. Our, our, claim this morning, the claim we're talking about is about light and darkness. Because without, when you're talking about light, you have to talk about darkness. And it's also about our fear, our fear and his presence. That's what we're talking about. And the verse uh, we have is John 8, chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12, and we'll also be in John chapter 1. So we'll be in John, around John. This is what it says. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light 
of life. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. My big idea this morning is that Jesus is the light of the world and that we shine because he shines in us. We shine because he shines in us. Jesus shines. Jesus shines. Now, I don't think we would have much disagreement about the fact that there is a darkness to the world. There is a darkness to the world that exists. And I don't think we would disagree about the fact that there is that. We might have discussion about why there is darkness or evil in the world. Where does it come from? Are we born with it? Are we taught it? We might argue about all those things, but I think generally most people who are looking out in the world would say, yes, there's something wrong with the world. There's a problem. And I don't have to go much further than my newspaper in the morning. Yes, I get a newspaper. Not online. I get paper, paper. I like the paper, paper. Still, I'm a holdover. And in my paper, paper, I don't have to look very hard to see that there's something wrong with the world. There's Texas moms shooting her daughters. There's bombs in Turkish airports. There's war and violence and murder and pedophilia and rape and abuse and rage and division and lies. And I think there comes a day in every young life or every life at some point where the shiny veneer of the world kind of crumbles and we realize that there's something wrong. And for some people, they experience it a lot younger than others. But I think we all experience this at some point. There's something wrong with the world. It is a dark, evil place. But it wasn't always this way. Genesis talks about a world that's very different from that. A world where God once walked in the cool of the garden with people. And God was there, present with us. That the the sun wasn't the only source of light we experienced. That we got to be in the presence of God, where he lit up the room. And he would come in physical form and come and walk and talk with people. How beautiful a picture is that? That our lives would be illuminated this way. But then the story goes on that tells about how we chose sin and rebellion. How darkness entered the world with all of its fury. And it made prisoners of us. It made wounded the generations as, as it went on, generation by generation. Beyond repair, we were damaged. Now, some of you are like, okay, I thought you were going to talk about the light of the world. This feels pretty lame. You're kind of going on about this dark, whole, heavy thing. And the truth is that we can't really talk about the light and the impact Jesus has on the world without talking about the reality of our situation without him. That the world is dark. That it's a, it's a dark, evil place, and that we are prisoners there without Jesus. So in this dark, broken world that's so far gone, that's, that if you really look into it, you say, wow, this is really a problem. How does Jesus shine? And John tells this story. We got to read it earlier, and I would like to read it again. That John gives this testimony about the story of Jesus and the impact Jesus has. And he begins his gospel with this part of the story where he describes the entry of Jesus into the world and what happened. How did it impact the world? And so John refers to Jesus as the word. So just so you know, when he's talking about the word, that's Jesus. 
This is what John says in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, different John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. That's how John tells the story. So what does this mean? What does this mean, what John is saying? There's a few things. The one is that life is found in Jesus. Life is found in Jesus. John says, in him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. Life is found in Jesus. Jesus comes and he offers us life. He actually says abundant life. He says the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'm bringing life, abundant life. That's the offer Jesus makes for us. Free, beautiful, abundant life. And he promises freedom in him. But we cannot and we will not find that freedom or that illumination, that light we're looking for, apart from Jesus. That's the the claim he makes. Last week, we had baptisms. We went down to Alouette Lake, and we baptized three people. And we have a couple more coming down the pike. We're trying to find dates that work for for them. But uh, it's really exciting. We had Jeremy. He's at the back. Wave, Jeremy. Yeah. Yay, celebrate Jeremy. Yeah. It's awesome. And Rose, who I don't think Rose is here this morning, but Rose Yellowica. And uh, Tegan. Tegan's over here. Yeah. Yeah. Super exciting. And it, it, the stories they told are beautiful stories of how people have found life in Jesus, how Jesus has come and begun to transform their lives by his presence. And that's an exciting story. In fact, um, Rose, Len says this all the time, so I'll tell you about Len and Rose. Len is not a Christian, and he comes and joins us. He enjoys being here with us, and uh, he's come to our barbecues and stuff and chatted lots. And he'll say one of the reasons he comes is because of how different Rose has become. They're, they've been married for 50 years, and he says, man, I had to come find out what happened to Rose because she changed so dramatically. That's a story of finding life in Jesus, an amazing story. Secondly, I think what John is saying is the darkness can't put out light. It says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It's a natural law. Talked about this before, but it's a natural law that light, the darkness can't extinguish light. It has no physical ability to put out light. 
In fact, darkness is absence of something. It's not, it's not anything. It's just nothing. Whereas light is a fire or a candle or a, an electric light or something. There's something there. There's some physical presence there. And that's the power of Jesus, is that Jesus came and he, he conquered sin and death and darkness, and he dispels darkness. His very presence brings light to darkness. So Jesus is not afraid of darkness, and neither do we need to be. Darkness can't put out the light. Thirdly, Jesus illuminates our future. That's what this is saying. When Jesus shining, Jesus illuminates our future. It says, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not everyone responds to Jesus. John says that too. Not everyone responded to Jesus. He was here and he walked around and people saw him and they heard him and not everyone responded to him. But to everyone who did, every willing heart, the promises that Jesus qualifies you, he gives you the title and the benefit of adoption into the family. That's a beautiful thing. Our new creation lives are bright with hope because of the light of Jesus in our lives. That's the promise. First Thessalonians talks about the day Jesus will return or judgment day. And it says, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. It's interesting that it's what, what Paul is saying here is, We don't have to be afraid. As we become children of light, our future is illuminated. We become children of day, and then we're not, we don't live in fear. I don't live in fear of the day Jesus returns. I don't live in fear of what's going to happen in the world. I don't live in fear of what's going to happen in Europe. Because my, my future is illuminated by the life of Jesus in me and through me. Fourthly, Jesus lights up the world with God's glory. John says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus' coming changed everything. It was like in the darkness, the light was turned on. This morning, I woke up my two sons in their room. And when I do that, I come in and I turn on the light. They both go under the covers, right? That's what you do when the light comes on. Whoa, it's really bright. When Jesus came on the earth and he lived and he died and he rose again, it was like this light came on in the room and suddenly the world was illuminated with the glory of God. And even more than that, I feel like Jesus, like Jesus went and tore a hole in the wall so that no matter whether you turn on and off the light, the light is coming through. It's shining through the hole in the wall that Jesus just tore a huge hole in because that's what Jesus did. Revelations 22 verse four to five says this about our future with Jesus. We will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Speaking of heaven and the new earth. This is a beautiful picture. The glory of God is brighter than any light. There's no need for light. Because God's presence and his glory is light enough. That is a glorious, beautiful thing that Jesus does when he comes and he reveals to us who God is. Jesus shines. And Jesus shines in us. Jesus shines in us. Um, I read uh, a Buddhist saying, and it goes like this. Buddha was asked, are you a god? And Buddha says, no. And they said, well, what are you then? And Buddha says, I am awake. It's a good answer. I thought that's cool. I thought that was cool. 
It's like, well, that's a cool answer. I'm going to remember. I am awake. What are you? I'm awake. Jesus doesn't say things like that. He says, I am the light of the world. I, I can imagine if I was with Jesus and I thought he was like a good prophet and he was like saying great things about God and suddenly he said, I am the light of the world. I'd be, I'd be uncomfortable. I'd be like, whoa, what did you just say? And then Jesus goes on to say, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Like, these are not claims of just a great teacher. These are the claims of someone who's claiming to be more, the light of the world. And if you follow me, he says, you will not walk in darkness. Now, I used to be afraid of the dark as a kid. I was very afraid of the dark. And I needed my nightlight. I needed also my Nanny Bird CD that play that tape that would play, and that would make me feel better at night. Nanny Bird, my mom's laughing, and um, but I was afraid. I didn't. I you know going outside, it would like the darkness in the night. It got my imagination going. I'm a person. I have an imagination. Like I started thinking about robbers. I started thinking about kidnapping. I have to like think about. I'm not. We're not rich. Why would anyone want to kidnap me? And I try to be logical, but I'd still be afraid because darkness brought up all this fear in me. Now, the interesting thing about that is we could go in the very same room that's dark. Like actually my basement in a power outage is really dark, really dark. So you go down in my basement in the power outage, and what would be very scary in the pitch dark, because you don't know what's there, if you turned on the lights, suddenly it's not scary. Okay, my basement's a little scary still, even with the lights on, but what do we can pick a different place. Where the, you turn on the lights, and suddenly the room is illuminated. It's not scary. In fact, it could be beautiful. So a forest in the nighttime could be scary, and in the daylight, it could be beautiful. So... The, the darkness hides beauty. The darkness is hiding truth. The hi- darkness is like the unknown. It's covering what's there. Light illuminates. Light shows the truth. What's here in this room? The lights come on. We see it. Light makes things visible. Ephesians 5, 12 to 14 says, For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Anything that becomes visible is light. And this is what happens. When Jesus enters our lives, he illuminates our life. He transforms it. He brings light and visibility. So the secrets, the shame, the guilt, the old self, the old ways, the darkness— The things that were so big and they had so much power in our life before suddenly become smaller and smaller. We realize they're not huge. They're actually small. And they become visible in the light of the presence of Jesus. Plato had an interesting philosophical thing I read. Um, It was about, I don't know what his point in the end was, but it very well fits this. So I'll take it. It was that if, you put people in a cave, and that was all they experienced. They, they were born in this cave, and they grew up in this cave, and you had a light behind a screen, and these people are looking at the wall, and they watch shadow puppets. And so if you did shadow puppets for these people, and this was their whole world, this is what they saw and experienced, the shadows on the wall, and you told them, oh, this shadow puppet, this is, that's a horse. And they'd be like, okay, that's a horse. And you said, okay, and this is, you know, a person. Oh, okay, that's a person. Okay, and they would draw pictures based on these shadows. This would be what they experienced. This would be their world. And then he says, 
what would happen if you brought them behind the screen and you showed them the light? They would say, oh, the light. And they would see, oh, wow. So these, this is what's happening on the wall. Now I can see. And then he says, further, what would happen if you took those people and you brought them out of the cave? And they would have to adjust. But they would see the world as it really was. Not a cave, but the real world. They would go and see a real horse. They would see real trees and real people in technicolor. And then you try to bring those people back in the cave, they would say, this isn't, this isn't life. Life is out here. And the same thing applies. When Jesus brings light to our lives, it's like he brings us out of this cave and we experience the world as it was made to be, as it was meant to be, in technicolor. And then there's the, the question, would you go back and be in the cave? Would you go back and live there? No. We, our lives are illuminated now. We, we've seen real life. We've experienced the world as it truly is. So what do lives look like that are illuminated? This is always my question. What do lives look like? Ephesians 5, 8 to 10 says this. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are, in, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, right away when I read stuff like that, I tend to get confused. I start to think about words like good and right and true. Oh, good and right and true, good and right and true. Okay, I got to be good and right and true. And I start thinking also about pleasing the Lord. Okay, I got to please the Lord. Oh my goodness, I'm going to be children of light. Maybe I'm not really a child of light. Maybe I'm not going to, maybe I'm going to start to be a child of darkness. I don't know. I, I got to try to find out what's good and right and true. And, and the confusion happens sometimes when we start thinking of that as good and right and true and pleasing God as law-keeping. And it's a common tendency in the church. We start thinking about it like, don't lie, don't swear, don't drink, don't sin, don't get tattoos, vote conservative, don't get angry, go to church, read your Bible, pray every day, and be nice. Basically, be a goody-goody. That's kind of what we imagine, like, that's what it means. We're going to be children of light. Okay, be, a, be as goody-goody as you can for as long as you can before you snap or something. And we have this picture that that's what, that's what an illuminated life looks like. And my question is, are our lives illuminated? Are they filled with the presence of the risen Jesus so we can be nicer? So we can be goody-goodies? I, I don't think that's the high calling. There's this story in John chapter 9 where um, these guys bring a, a man who's be, who was born blind to Jesus. And they say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I'm trying to look for whose fault is it? And Jesus says this, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. I am the light of the world. He says it again. Whose fault is it, this problem, this big issue we have? This guy, he's got, yeah, he's blind. Well, it's got to be someone's fault. The, the challenge I'm facing, it's got to be someone's fault. Whose fault is it? Did I blow it? Did someone else blow it? Jesus says, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. I am the light of the world. That's what Jesus says. And then he sets this guy free from actual darkness. This person who lives in darkness suddenly sees real, actual physical light. And the world becomes visible in the physical sense. And Jesus, I think, gives us that picture in the spiritual sense that we 
Our lives are illuminated so that God would be glorified. That's why God is doing things in our lives, so that he would be glorified. So I would challenge you that we've not been set free from sin, illuminated by the risen Jesus, and transformed into children of light so that we could just be nice. But maybe our Jubilee passage fits here. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You were brought from death into light, from darkness to light, so that the works of God might be displayed in you and through you, to be set free by the power of Jesus, to proclaim good news, to set others free, to announce grace to the world, God's favor. Second Corinthians says, We all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. This comes from the Lord who's the Spirit. That's the picture. When Jesus shines in us, that's the picture. We behold him, and we are being transformed, little by little, more and more into his image. And that spills out into our lives. Jesus shines, Jesus shines in us, and we shine in the world. We shine in the world. Jesus shines. He took on darkness, he descended into the grave, he plundered death, he tore curtains, he rose in glorious day, he ascended, he sits on the throne, and his face is as bright as the sun. That's what John, the same John, who goes up, gets a revelation, a picture of heaven, sees a vision of Jesus, and that's what it looks like. His face is as bright as the sun in all its glory. And Jesus shines in us. Jesus found us in the darkness, and his kindness brought us to repentance, to freedom. And now he shines in us, bright as the day, our lives illuminated, being transformed moment by moment into his glory, for his glory. Now, there are side effects to this. There are side effects. I remember... One day, I, I, w- I remember the exact day we were at the ca- our family cabin time, and um, I looked in the mirror one morning, and I was like, oh, I'm fat. I'm getting fat. I'm getting double chin. I'm like, something's happening to me. Like, how, how have I not noticed this? Maybe I'm, I'm just getting older, and this is just what happens. Like, the exercise doesn't do the same thing anymore. I don't know. Like, my face suddenly was really looking full. And so I walked out of the bathroom, and I I went, and actually the first person I ran into was my mom, and I was like, Mom, I must be getting old. I'm getting, and not that old people are fat. (laughs) But I said, I must be getting old. I I don't know what's happening. I'm fat. She said, I've been waiting to tell you. I was like, Mom, what? You were waiting to tell me? She said, yeah, because I was on... Uh, for my hips, for my arthritis, I was on pregnizone, which is a steroid. And one of the side effects of that drug is that you accumulate water weight. And you do, you do gain weight that way. And so she said, I was just waiting to tell you. It's called moon face. I was like, moon face? Moon face? You were waiting to tell me this? Oh, it was painful. 
side effects. There's side effects. Jesus says there's side effects to being illuminated by his presence. There's things that will happen that may surprise you that you may not have prepared for. They're going to be happening. One of them is described, I think, in Matthew chapter 5, 14 to 16. Jesus, who says, I am the light of the world, now says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. When Jesus illuminates our lives, we can't hide it. We can't hide it or it gets weird. Just tell you, it gets weird. This is the difference between religion and real Christianity is that religion is hiding under the bushel. Religion is alienating. Religion is not attractive. However, true and real Christianity is. It is like a light on a hill where people see the city and they are attracted to it. If you imagine people wandering in the dark from city to city and they're looking and you're trying to find some kind of bearing in the darkness and suddenly you saw the city on the hill, you would say, oh, there's the city. I know exactly where I am and I'm moving toward that city because there's an, it's, it's beautiful. It provides bearing for you. This is what Isaiah says in chapter 60, verses 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen in you. Whoa, what a promise. His glory will be seen in you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Sometimes I read that and I think, oh, that's kind of like, feels like. Someone else should claim that. Someone brighter, someone more spiritual, someone more amazing. This is it. Arise, shine, because the light is shining in you, and people will be drawn by the light. That's what the promise is. The idea that you were meant to be seen is never far from the idea that Jesus shines in you. Jesus is shining. Jesus is shining in you, and the fact that you're meant to be seen is not far from that idea. Do you ever wonder why the church is still here? Why we can't just get zapped up to heaven? You become a Christian, whoa, they're gone. Whoa, they're gone. When am I going to go? Come on, come on. Why am I watching that? I should be up there. Right? Or why are we all going to go live in a commune somewhere? It's been tried. We should go do that. The Jubilee Commune. I bought some property. Oh, you know what? Everyone who joins, we'll just go. We're going to go far away, and we're going to just be all by ourselves. That doesn't happen. We're not doing that. Sorry to burst your bubble if you were hoping that. Because the church is on a mission in the world. The church is on a mission in the world. Jesus says in John 17, he says to God, the Father, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Jesus says, you sent me to the world, like from heaven to earth into the world. He says, I'm sending them into the world. Not to be of the world, but to be in the world. That's why we have a jubilee value. One of our three 
articulated values. We could have lots of values, but those are three we talk about. One is the redemptive news that we care about. We talk about what Jesus is doing, that he is transforming lives. He's redeeming people. He's bringing them from darkness to light. And that's what we're going to talk about that a lot. We're going to proclaim that a lot. Our second value is the relational journey. That as that happens, we encounter the Spirit of God comes into our life and we begin a journey with God and a journey with each other. We're walking on that journey together. And the last value we talk about is the outward mission. We're not just having all that to have it, but we're having that to go out into the world and show God's love to people who don't know him, who have never heard the good news. That's, that's the mission. Warren got a new job uh, ten week, about 10 weeks ago. And she was a TOC on call, so a substitute teacher, whatever word you know. Back in the day, they said substitute. Now they say TOC. So she worked as a TOC one day a week um, in the district of Maple Ridge. And 10 weeks ago, she got a job as the Wednesday teacher, so still one day a week, but as the regular Wednesday teacher of Maddie's class, which is pretty awesome, our eldest daughter who's 12. So she's like a, has a teaching partner, and this was a job. So she was filling in for a mat leave. Super exciting and also like a lot of work. In fact, it's like way more planning, and the time put in now is way more than a teacher just walking in the door, and here's your stuff, and do it. She's got a plan, and she's got a mark. And So why would she do this? Why would she go from a job that's easier in one way to way more planning and effort and stress? Why does she do that? Because God has called her to be there. Because the relationships she has with all those people, her teaching partner, who is a Christian, has been praying that God would fill that spot. And now Lauren's coming in and able to encourage her. When they finished their last day, their admin day of school, and they all met together, she was able to give out actually three of our CDs. And she prayed and she wrote them a card. And she gave out uh, two CDs to two teachers and one CD to the vice principal. The vice principal... Many, many days in a row, probably three weeks in a row, saw her in the hallway and said, we're so glad you're here. You make such a difference here in this school. We're so glad you're on our staff. And Lauren gave her the CD and said, with the preamble, it's a worship CD, (laughs) just so you're not surprised. And those people said, oh, thank you. I I will listen to it. This is what it means to be a light. Lauren's not trying to be a light. She's just shining. It's just overflowing in her life. Where has God placed you? Where has God placed you? Where are you a light? And if you're like, I don't know. I don't know. Then the question would be, okay, take it back a step, which would be, where are you? Where are you? Do you have a neighborhood? Do you have a job? Do you have a school? Do you have friends? Where are you? And in that place where you are, that is where God has called you to be a light, to make a difference. Those are the people God has given you. If you're not sure, I would encourage you, go home and pray. Say, God, who have you given me? What relationships have you given me that you're calling me to be a light in, to shine and to love? The beautiful picture about how we shine, how we reach people is, it's his light in our frailty. 1 Corinthians explains this. 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 6 and 7. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. 
See, the light people see in Lauren isn't Lauren. It's Jesus. And they'll say, wow, we love her so much. She's so awesome. She's so great. But she knows she's not perfect. She knows her failings. She knows it's Jesus shining in her and through her. We don't shine because we're awesome. We don't shine because we deserve it. And we don't shine because we're so good. We shine because his light is in us, shining through us. That's why we shine. His light in the face of Jesus out of us. It's a beautiful picture. So Jesus is the light of the world, and we shine because he shines in us. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus shines. He's awesome. He did it. He went and he conquered sin and death and darkness and rose in glorious day. Jesus shines in us. He came and found us in the darkness. We were his enemies, it says. And he found us and he loved us and he redeemed us and saved us, set us free. And thirdly, we shine in the world because of his life in us. It's beautiful. He shines through us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for, uh, for your son, Jesus, that you sent Jesus to come, that the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, that, um, that you broke through the dark world that just kept seeming to, to get darker and darker, that you came and you broke through. You tore a hole in the wall, and you said, my kingdom is here, my kingdom's coming. And Jesus, in his death and in his resurrection, became the brightness of day. He became the shining one, the one that is glorified, lifted up. And God, we're so grateful that you've offered this very spirit of Jesus to come and to live in us, to transform us and to make our lives new. That where we we have darkness, that you want to illuminate it. Where we have shame, you want to bring freedom. Lord, that you would come and set us free even as you have set us free. And Jesus, we thank you that um, we weren't called to experience that life transformation just for our own sake, but that we're meant to shine in the world wherever you've put us. So God, I ask that, um, that as you do those things, as you change our lives, that you would also open our eyes to see where, where those uh, circles of influence you've put us in, where we have um, a voice to speak, or a place where we can love people, and that you'd show that to us clearly, that we could walk in it, we could pray for those people, we could lift them up, and we could demonstrate your love to them. Thank you that you bring light wherever you go. We say we love you. Amen.